0: Welcome to the Bay Area Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to make passionate, maturing followers of Jesus from here to the nations. We hope you will be changed by this message and invite you to visit us in the greater Annapolis area. If you would like to learn more about our church and ministries, please visit our website at bayareacc.org. Well, good morning. My name is Greg St. Cyr. I have the joy of serving as the lead pastor. I want to welcome our family in Odenton. We've got your campus pastor here with us this morning. We're loving that. Welcome to our folks in Easton. We're thrilled by all that God is doing there. If you're in the chapel, if you're in the auditorium, if you're watching online, we're in a series called He Made Time. And before we dive into that, the Bible says... To rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, some of you know that I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, uh, I don't know if I need to say anything else, but I was born the year that LSU won their first national championship. So, um, I have a tiger brain, no denying it. I mean, it's neurologically proven that my brain is wired to root for the Tigers. So I know there are some Ohio State fans here, some Clemson fans here, some Oklahoma fans, but if you're not aligned to any of those teams, I'm inviting you to come over to Purple and Gold <laughs> all across our campuses, right? <laughs> okay. I've had no redemptive value whatsoever, but I can move beyond that now and uh, focus on time. He made time. He made time for us. You know that time is short, the brevity of life. We say often things like, I'm sorry, I just don't have time. Oh, how I wish I had more time. Where did all the time go? Time flies. Time is short. Time is something so very precious to us. The Bible talks a lot about time. It uses different images, metaphors. It says that That life or time is but a vapor. Time is but a phantom. It's a hand breath, the width of your hand. That's what life is like. It's a shadow. It's a mist. And so all of these are simply images to try to get us in touch with just how brief time is. I'm wondering, does anyone here uh, know what a weaver's shuttle is? I had no idea. What a weaver. I see a few hands in the auditorium here. The Bible actually talks about time and uses the image of a weaver's shuttle. In Job chapter 7, verse 6, Job writes this. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. So we know that a weaver weaves cloth. We got that. So they weave cloth from yarn. What is a weaver's shuttle? Here's a picture of a, a weaver's shuttle. It actually is an instrument that is designed to hold thread, and it's passed back and forth, back and forth, between the yard, yarn, until um, a bolt of cloth is weaved together. And I just was fascinated by this since it's in the Bible. And I thought I knew my Bible fairly well, but I'd never known this verse. So I had to Google Weaver's Shuttle. And and here's this is a little video showing us what time is like. You can see that's the shuttle going back and forth, back and forth. And uh, this uh, lovely lady is just demonstrating how this works. But as she gets going, it goes faster and faster and faster and faster. And that is uh, what time is like, according to the Bible. It's just like a weaver's shuttle. And uh, when we start out life, it goes slowly. But then as life goes on, it seems like it picks up speed and picks up speed back and forth, back and forth at lightning pace. And with every throw of the weaver, the weaver leaves another thread behind. And each day adds another thread to the fabric of our life. And one day the cloth will be complete and time for us as we know it will come to an end. So time is precious. Our life is your time. The present moment, it's gone. Another succeeds it. Yesterday is no longer here. Tomorrow has not yet come. The thing about time, you can't smell it, taste it, hear it, feel it. Every minute that passes, you have one less minute to be with loved ones on this earth to accomplish the things that God has given you to do. Time is irreversible. Your last breath, it's gone forever. And this thing we call time, it's actually a gift. In Psalm 31, verse 15, the Bible says this, my times are in your hand. Now that's remarkable. God does not have hands. He is accommodating us so that we get the idea that he controls our time, that our time is a gift that belongs to him. And so God has given each of us this gift of time for how long? Nobody knows. Nobody but God, that is. Now, within this gift of time, many of us are actually struggling with something. We're struggling with something that has reached epidemic proportions in North America. It is something that is actually hindering us from accomplishing and living the life that God has given us to live. And the thing that I'm talking about this morning, this epidemic, is loneliness. Loneliness. We are a lonely people. Now, we deny it, but if you were tested, it would probably show that you are one of the many Americans who are indeed lonely. As a matter of fact, the newspaper headlines point this out. The Washington Post, the Surgeon General says, there's a loneliness epidemic. USA Today, young people report more loneliness than the elderly. The Boston Globe, the biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, it's loneliness the New York times, how social isolation is killing us. Now this is remarkable, we are a lonely people and yet we live in this world of social media and with all of the social media that is available at our fingertips, we as a society are more lonely than ever before. As a matter of fact, if you are between the ages of 18 and 22, According to a recent Cigna study with over 20,000 participants, you are more lonely than someone that is 72 or older, significantly more lonely, according to this study. And it reveals that the loneliest decades for us are our 20s, 30s, and 40s. And this phenomena is not unique to us as North Americans. Actually, in the U.K., last year, the Prime Minister of England appointed a new minister, the Minister for Loneliness. It's true. Google it. You can check me out. Fact check me. It's true. And speaking of England, it makes me think of the Beatles and Eleanor Rigby. Now, if I could sing this, I would, but I'm going (laughs) to spare you. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been, lives in a dream, waits at the window, wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Now, that's written in 1966. If we were a lonely people then, imagine what we are today. I want to ask a question. Are you one of the lonely people? And if so, how do we overcome our loneliness? You know, we can feel lonely even in church. You can be married and feel lonely at work. You can feel lonely. You might be very successful on the outside and yet have deep feelings of loneliness. And at Christmas, this time that's supposed to be filled with joy to the world, actually Christmas for so many people is a heightened time of loneliness. Now I want to pause here and just say this. We were made for relationships, when God created... Man and woman in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. It says in the image of God he created man. Male and female he created them in his image. God differentiates the sexes and creates us in his image. What that means is that you and I are actually created for relationships. This separates us from all of creation. We have the capacity to be in relationship with God and each other. And so could it be that the reason that we're experiencing loneliness is because our relationships are broken? He made time. He made time for us. He made time for us so that you and I would be in relationship with him and each other. Now, why are we lonely? I want to give three reasons as to why we're lonely. The first is this. There is the loneliness of sin. Sin brings about alienation. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden and they rebelled against God, immediately sin entered. As a result of that sin, fellowship, the relationship with God was broken. There was alienation between God and Adam and Eve. And as a result of that, separation. Separation from God's, even separation from each other. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, describes this. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So because of sin, you and I have inherited a sin nature, and because of that, we experience the loneliness of sin. The second reason for loneliness is the loneliness of sorrow. Sorrow over the loss of a loved one. Sorrow over a recent move when you've had to say goodbye to family and friends. Sorrow over the pain of divorce. Sorrow over the the bad news that I'm sorry, but... You have cancer or ALS. Sorrow over the loss of a spouse of some 50 years. Sorrow over being single and deep down in your heart a longing to be married. Sorrow over your spouse being deployed on a ship for six months. There is the loneliness of sorrow. Psalm 102 verse 6 and 7 is a fascinating passage. It says this. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. Now stop and think. Uh, I am from the Gulf Coast. We live here uh, at the Chesapeake Bay. You do not find pelicans in wildernesses. You find them along the coastlines. But David says, I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. You don't find owls. In waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird. On a housetop. Is that you this morning? Do you feel like a lonely bird. All by yourself. On a housetop. There is the loneliness of sorrow. And then the third reason for loneliness. There is the loneliness of rejection. You feel rejected by a friend. You've given the best years of your life. To some company. And then they give you a pink slip. You feel rejected by family, hurt by family, or maybe by your church family. And here's what happens when you experience rejection, you become pessimistic and skeptical towards other people. And because of that, you actually withdraw rather than initiating relationally, which thereby perpetuates the loneliness. David knew what it was like to be rejected. He understood loneliness. In Psalm 25, he writes this. Turn to me and be gracious to me, God, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. So why are we lonely? And it's all heightened at Christmas time. We're lonely because of the pain of sin. We're lonely because of the pain of sorrow. We're lonely because of the pain of rejection. And there is not a person within the sound of my voice who has not experienced all three of these. I have. I remember the early years of my marriage with Mary Kay. And I had such high expectations. I had so many demands... Oh, I thought they were godly demands, right? Deception, that's what it was. And because of my sin, I really damaged her self-esteem. And all of that led to loneliness. I think about being 20 years old, living in West Hall, when I got the news that my grandfather had died. And I remember f- collapsing in my bed, just weeping, wailing. Why? Because I was Gramps' babe. That's what he called me. My older brother was claimed by my papa, but Gramps said, okay, you take that one, I got the next one. I was Gramps' babe. The loneliness of sorrow. And rejection is the hardest, at least for me it is. I remember being madly in love with Mary Kay Myers. We had been dating for one year, long distance dating, and now we're together in Fort Collins, Colorado, and it's time to DTR this thing. You know what DTR is? Define the relationship. So we're gonna have the talk. So we have the talk, and I declare my fond affection, and she says, "Well." It didn't sound good, right? Well, <laughs> well, she said, Greg, I, I'm not sure. She said, this is what she said. She said, I want to put you on the shelf with all the other men and know that I would select you. This is what she told me. <laughs> okay. Fortunately, it took her four days to come to her census. <laughs> I'm crawling back okay but we know <laughs> <laughs> she's not here right so I have a little more liberty <laughs> so we know we know the pain of loneliness we know the pain of sin right we know the pain of sorrow and rejection how do we overcome loneliness it starts with the right view of God it begins with getting our eyes off of ourself and our eyes on God. And the God that we're talking about is an eternal God. He's great and mighty and awesome. He is a God that transcends time. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He speaks, he creates, and time begins. But he is the God that declares the beginning from the end. And this God who is eternal does the unthinkable. He not only fashions time, but he acts in time. He invades time. He invades time in the grandest way in the person of Jesus. And this is what Christmas is all about. And so Psalm 90 verses 1 and 2 makes it clear that he is our only dwelling place. Psalm 90, 1 and 2 says this, "'Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations.'" In other words, you are our place of safety, security, and refuge. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth or the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is our God who made time, who invades time, and he does so in order to be with us and in order to... To meet our need of loneliness. Now, there is a man in the Bible who had to have been incredibly lonely. We don't necessarily think about him this way. But he experienced sorrow and rejection. The person that we want to look at briefly is, the, is Joseph Joseph. ...from Matthew chapter 1. So Joseph, his story is found in Matthew 1 verses 18 through 23. And it's the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. So let me just a brief word about betrothal. Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Which is to say they are legally married... But they are not living together and they have not consummated the marriage. Betrothal lasts for about a year and it is a time of preparation. But in the eyes of the community, they are married. So Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. She was found to be with child. Now, Joseph... Knows two undeniable truths. Truth number one, Mary is pregnant. Truth number two, he's not the daddy. Those are the things. How do you think Joseph feels? He feels the loneliness of sorrow. He looks at her. And thinks that this has happened because of her sin. And so he's experiencing the loneliness of sin. He feels the loneliness of rejection. Verse 19. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord... Probably the angel Gabriel appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. What the angel does here is say, Joseph, I want to remind you that you are a son of David. You come from the lineage of the Messiah. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Really? Well, pray tell. Why should I not be afraid to take her as my wife? For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now this little phrase, conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, is one of the things that distinguishes our faith from the faith of every other religion. Because what the Word of God is telling us here is that Jesus Christ is absolutely unique that he is the son of God who was born of a woman, but not of a man. Now, I have to repeat that. He is the son of God who was born of a woman, but not of a man. Mary conceives from the Holy Spirit so that Jesus is of perfect union, perfect deity, perfect In other words, Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, 100% God, 100% man, yet without sin. Now if that is true, everything else falls into place. Verse 21, the angel goes on, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph was expecting the Messiah. He's a godly man. He is waiting for the Messiah to come. But his anticipation was that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David and he is going to rule and reign. He will overthrow Rome. He will usher in a time of flourishing and shalom, righteousness and justice. But Joseph has absolutely no idea that the Messiah is going to be born of a virgin. And somehow, and I don't understand how, but somehow at this time, God breaks in and reveals to Joseph that Mary, a virgin, actually is the fulfillment of Isaiah Chapter 7, verse 14. Matthew 1, verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God chose a very particular name for the Messiah. It is the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, he made time. He made time for us by invading time in the person of Jesus so that he would be with us. He made time so that you and I would never have to experience loneliness Or being alone. Now, I don't wanna just quickly pass over this. The eternal God who made time invades time. He is Emmanuel so that you and I never have to be alone. Christmas is actually a reminder of this truth that He is Emmanuel. God with us Now in a certain sense God has always been with his people Right in the Old Testament The pillar of cloud By day and fire by night The the temple was built And uh, most significantly The tabernacle God instructs Moses To build a tabernacle So that God would have a dwelling Place with his people Fast forward to Jesus. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, it reads like this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt literally is the word tabernacled. God took on flesh in order to tabernacle with us. And from that day forward... From the day of the Nativity, there was a change in the relationship between heaven and earth. God is now with us in a brand new way, the person of Jesus. That is incomprehensible. Our minds can't begin to wrap themselves around the everlasting to everlasting eternal God who has no limitations, invades time, takes on flesh, is born, wrapped in swaddling cloths, laid in a manger. Why? Why? He does it so he would be with us. He does it to deal with. With the pain of sin, the pain of sorrow, and the pain of rejection. Jesus Christ on a cross, what does he say? What does he shout? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, during those three hours of darkness, God places your sin debt, my sin debt, on the sinless Christ. He pays a debt he does not owe. Why? So that he could be in relationship with us. He is known as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The Lord Jesus experienced all the sorrow and all the grief of being separated from his father, separated from his friends, separated from his people. Jesus knew what it was like To be alone. And then then there's rejection. Isaiah 53 says, he was despised and rejected by men. All of his disciples abandoned him. They fled. The crowds shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Was anybody rejected like the Lord Jesus Christ? So, Jesus took our sin... He took our sorrow. He took our rejection for one reason. Because you and I are lonely, alienated from the God who loves us. And so he invades time to be with us. I want to ask you, are you lonely this morning? Think back to a time when you were lonely. What were your coping mechanisms? How did you try to deal with the pain of sorrow or rejection or the agony over sin? Here's the reality. We overcome our loneliness by experiencing the presence of Emmanuel, God with us. If you know Jesus, Emmanuel is always with you. That's a fact. Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid because you are with me. Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can. He is with us. And the root of our loneliness ultimately is spiritual. It is because you and I are not experiencing the presence of the God who is with us. You see, somebody can be alongside you and yet you can still feel lonely. And so to the extent that you and I experience the God who is with us, to that extent, our loneliness evaporates. This is why I say over and over again, my highest priority in life is cultivating a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. That's my highest priority. Nothing else can compare. And when I am in an intimate relationship with the Lord, he gives supernatural peace and joy and contentment, and he deals with the sorrow of rejection, the sorrow of loneliness. My sin is brought into the light so that I can confess it. Emmanuel means... That when you feel like nobody wants you, God wants you. When you feel rejected by others, God says, I accept you. When you feel the pain of loss, God says, I am with you. We overcome our loneliness by being in a personal relationship. The other thing is this. If I have Jesus in me and you have Jesus in you, you have the God who is with you. you have, I have the God who is with me. When we get together, guess what? We together have the God who is with us. And so the way that we overcome loneliness is when we see ourselves as part of a brand new family. You and I have been placed in to the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And as a result of that, God is collectively with us. So you might come from a horrible background. Your spouse might have left you. You might feel totally abandoned. Good news. God's here. He's here. And he's in us. And he's with us. There's a remarkable Verse in Psalm 68, it reads like this, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. I want to say praise God, single moms, He's a father to the fatherless. Widows, He's a defender of the widows. He is with us. He is a God who abides in his holy dwelling. And then it says this beautiful, profound sentence. God sets the lonely in families. He's not talking here about biological families, and I'm not dismissing the importance of our biological families at all. But what he's talking about is he sets the lonely in spiritual families. Families, He liberates us from the prison of loneliness into the freedom of family. The reason why you and I are lonely is because we are not experiencing the God who is with us. And we are not experiencing relationships in a spiritual family. And in a word, connection is the key. I must be connected to the vine. I must be connected to the God who was with us. And I must be connected to the family of God. And when those two things are true, loneliness evaporates. I remember I I was 18 years old. I remember the very first time that I got away with my Bible, sitting under a tree, reading John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. I remember reading this, and for the first time, God was speaking to me. And because of that, the loneliness and discontentment evaporated. And to the extent that you and I are experiencing the God who is with us and experiencing relationships with, that, with each other, to that extent, our loneliness vanishes. My loneliness vanishes when I make time for him. He made time. Time is short. It's a vapor. It's a weaver's shuttle going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We don't have much time left. He made time. He made time for us. He invaded time. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Will you make time for him? That's the question. So Father, I pray for each and every one of us that we would make time for you. I wanna speak just briefly If you are here this morning and you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, what you've heard from the Bible is true. Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, without sin. He really is Emmanuel. And he is God with us. He invaded time, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life. He lived to die, took your sin debt upon himself so that you would not be alienated from God. You would not have to experience the sorrow of sin, the sorrow of, and pain of rejection And so I would just ask you this morning, challenge you, trust him. Place your full faith and confidence in him. And for all of us, Christmas is a busy season. Would we push pause and just say, God, you made time for me. How would you have me make time for you? Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the great Emmanuel, who is with us. May we, like never before, experience the God who is with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Merry Christmas.